Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of the ACC Now podcast, the wildly popular ACC Now podcast brought to you by the News and Observer. I am your host this week, unfortunately for you, or perhaps fortunately, depending on how you feel about this development. It's Andrew Carter. I'm a longtime veteran scribe of the NNO. I've covered a variety of things here during my tenure. And folks, I got to tell you, I think this might be one of the very best editions of the ACC Now podcast. And I do not say that lightly. I say that because it's an important week here in the Triangle and an ACC parts beyond. We have the continuation of a rivalry that I was told might have ended early last April. Reports are it's going to resume later this week in Durham. And to join me and discuss that topic and more, we have Steve Wiseman, a fellow veteran scribe of many newspapers, Durham Herald Sun, the NNO. Now we're fortunate to have Steve cover Duke for us. And welcome to the show, Steve. How are you, man? I am doing well, Andrew. Good to be with you. Yes. Always exciting. It is. We're all excited here. We we were talking about before we went on how we have faces for... uh, you know, not not even radio faces for prints. Like you know, right. the, the the less live the medium, that's what our faces are for. That's right. Uh, we need time to craft things and prepare things. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, but yeah, man, it's been let's see here about ten months since you and I and, and Luke and CL and and Natalie and Robert and Ethan. I think like the whole News and Observer staff basically was in New Orleans uh, co- covering the Final Four. Uh, about 10 months ago, Armageddon, uh, as yeah. we thought, we were questioning whether uh, the sports world, at least in our corner of the universe, <laughs> might survive that. Uh, Would the sun come up the next day? We didn't know. <laughs> Thankfully, we have. And I don't know. To me, it's kind of one of those weird things where at once it seems like this was just yesterday, you know, 10 months ago in New Orleans at the Final Four. And at the same time, it seems like it's been uh, a long time ago, maybe even longer than it has been. But obviously, Duke finds itself here in the midst of kind of a uh, an up and down first season uh, under a new coach and John Shire, and, and certainly a big week uh, this week for the Blue Devils, a big week here in North Carolina for college basketball. We have Duke versus Wake coming up. Folks might be listening to this later in the week after that game has happened. But then, of course, there's a big one. Uh, you know, there, there's Duke Carolina, and there was this discussion last April after after UNC won and, and sent Coach Gay into retirement, uh, that, hey, the rivalry is over, all that sort of thing. I disagree with that. Um, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on 10 months out from that event, kind of what's the state of, of this program here and in Shire's first season? It's been kind of a weird year. As I head back into another game against Carolina, and by the way, the rivalry continues, what do you feel like is the mindset of that program as it stands now? 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, like the rivalry is still going because college game day is coming. It's on ESPN at six o'clock on Saturday night. You know, they haven't moved it to noon on a Saturday in early December or whatever the heck, you know, those slots. Um, so, yeah, I think we can declare the rivalry alive and healthy, and I think it'll be good. Um, UNC yeah. fans will be disappointed to learn that, that it's still in existence. <laughs> but I digress. It's not playing. They didn't blow it up. No. <laughs> Although, you know, I... Quick aside, I'm really curious how, how Armando Baycott's going to handle this, given the way he's, you know, he's really had fun with stuff this year. You know, the the glasses, which, you know, controversial, whatever, after the NC State game. You know what I'm saying? That, um, I think it was uh, uh, the night that, that State beat the crap out of Duke uh, at PNC. You know, State, Carolina had a later game that night, and he came in and said, go Wolfpack, you know, or something like that. He did. Yeah. Um, I think Wolfpack that, fans rejected that sentiment too, by the way. But <laughs> but but you're right. He has had a uh, kind of a, a fun-loving season, if you will. Yeah, one yeah. one thing to watch certainly on Saturday. Certainly, yeah. So, uh, but from a Duke perspective here, let's you know, fifteen and six um, at, the, at the midway point of ACC as we tape this, they're six and four in the conference. Clearly, not where they want to be. You know, they they. Always have aspirations to be higher, uh, better ranking in the top twenty-five, right? Um, they're not there. They have been ranked for a while, and, and rightfully so. Uh, it has been up and down. They have been the usual, you know, tough team to beat. To beat in Cameron, they're ten and zero as we tape this. They're ten and zero at Cameron. Uh, they've shot the ball much better at Cameron than they have on the road. Uh, Saturday's, you know, performance at George Tech, notwithstanding, because that was a a tremendous shooting day against a very bad George Tech team down there, but um, so they are, and, and those in that sense, they're they're the usual Duke team because they play they play really well at Cameron. They have the energy of the crowd. They they feed off it. Uh, they seem to have a different level of play there, but they've they've really been they've been not a great offensive team, um, and that's unusual to me. Has somebody's been in the speed since 2010? Because normally a Duke team can can overwhelm an opponent they can come out and go on a you know a 10 to 2 run in two minutes you know and just really either erase a deficit or take a lead and make it a big lead and really run away with the game uh at any moment and this this team isn't capable of doing that on a, on a regular basis now again saturday at georgia tech they closed the half on a 13-2 run that th- that took four minutes it wasn't really the blitzkrieg we're used to seeing from duke teams with their lottery picks running up and down the court. Um, so this team doesn't shoot as well as, as past Duke teams. That's a problem. Um, but they, they they play strong defense. They play really good half-court defense. Uh, they don't do a lot of turn the ball over for fast break points as other Duke teams have, but it's more sit back, just make it impossible for a team to get a good shot and then get a rebound. They're a really good rebounding team. They're very tall. So, I mean, that's kind of where they are. And, um, you know, right now they're going to be you know, a five or six seed at best in the NCAA tournament, which isn't where we normally talk about Duke. But um, this is a case of, you know, a, cl- a group of freshmen and number top 10 recruits that aren't the same as other years of top 10 recruits where you have Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish were all going to be lottery picks, and they played like it. And this year's number one class isn't Derek Lively, you know, isn't Paula Bancaro. Uh, that that's a difference. So that's kind of where they are, and they're kind of muddling their way through, and um, you know, hoping that there's still a higher level of play available to them 
as we go into February and then to March when they want to play at their best. All right. I'm going to ask you probably what's an unfair question to you, you know, given your position as our beat reporter who covers Duke, and it's about Coach K. And then we're going to come back. I have another thing uh, related to Coach K I want to talk about. But first, the unfair question, which is if Coach K is in charge of this particular Duke team, do you think the record is any better at this point than it is? I mean, I'm going to say yes, and that's not a knock on John Shire at all. I mean, Coach K is a freaking Hall of Famer, right? So um, he's a better coach <laughs> um, than right now than John is. You know, I mean, I think even John would admit that. But um, and I say that because there's a couple of times when when this team uh, just really laid you know laid eggs. They they went to Wake right before Christmas and lost by eleven and had and never and they led in the game for like maybe four seconds or something. I mean, uh, that's not that's not the usual way it goes. And then the game after Christmas when they went to state. And again, as I referenced earlier, just got ran off the court and never, I mean, they got lost by 24 and it could have been 40 if, if state wanted it to be. Um, those are two instances where there would have been drastic things going on. And, and to Cyrus credit, I mean, they didn't, neither one of those losses turned into a losing streak. They have not lost consecutive games all year. So that's something he's done well. But, um, you know, I just wonder if, if, if Kay would have, you know, pulled out some of the old tricks, you know, uh, locking them out of the locker room or whatever. <laughs> and maybe it would have worked with these guys. I don't know. Maybe he would have motivated them a little differently. Uh, and maybe maybe the loss at Wake happens, but the loss at State doesn't happen, right? Or so, or maybe the loss at, to State happens, but then the loss two weeks later at Clemson doesn't happen. Maybe they're a little better on the road. Um, th- those are, you know, just a couple examples I think of. And one other one, real quick, I will mention that I thought about the difference in the two guys was, at the end of the Virginia Tech game last week when Kyle Filipowski got hit in the throat on the inadvertent, you know, the Virginia Tech guy was celebrating his yes. head, turned around, punched him in the throat. Uh, there was no flagrant foul called, nothing. Um, I have to imagine Coach K would have just exploded. <laughs> yes. Um, it would not have gone well for the officials. No. Yeah, that, 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 you know, right. You're exactly. And there would have been a follow-up question at a press conference he would have launched into what are these guys calling? What are they seeing? You know, you know something. He would have, but John doesn't feel like he has that kind of status or that kind of standing yet in the college basketball world because he's the first year coach. He's thirty five years old, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So it's not a knock on John again. It's just differences I've seen. There would have been a monologue indeed from Kay about oh. about officiating, maybe even about sportsmanship. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but you know, perhaps about a bunch of different things. But going back. 2K, uh, and obviously you and I were there, and Luke, and uh, as I said, our whole staff just about covering the Coach K farewell, uh, especially throughout last March. You know, we remember what happened at Cameron with UNC coming in and winning winning that game in his final home game, and then, of course, obviously what happened in New Orleans. I'm wondering, from your perspective and point of view, whether the program psychologically had to go through some sort of uh, you know, I don't even know how you would describe it. Some sort of like voodoo cleansing ritual or something to get rid of the the bad juju, if you will, of losing such two high profile games uh, against your rival. Did it, you know, did, did Duke have to kind of cleanse itself after that? Or was there any kind of emotional hangover, uh, if you will? Or what was kind of the recovery process in your mind? Or you can just say maybe 
you know, people who think that there would have been might just be mistaken. That's a storyline that's kind of media created. That could certainly be, uh, you know, a fair answer to that question as well. Um, I'm not sure they're really over it. Okay. I think they, well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, the, they, they always say, and Kay said this whenever, you know, whoever you lost to in the final four was going to be a bad loss, right? You don't want to lose in the final four. You don't want to lose your last home game. Well, but, but it was against Carolina. You can't, you can't dismiss that, <laughs> you know, you, it's, and I know that's what you try to do in your mind to try to rationalize what happened and, and all that. And I get why they're doing that, but, but, but it did happen. And, and so, um, uh, it, that's a knock that you can't, you can't rid yourself of. You, you can only try to, um, you know, play better, uh, this season, um, uh, which, you know, they're not up to their normal standards. So I, I don't, I don't know if you can tie a line directly to that. I mean, another thing is there's hardly anybody back from that team. I mean, Jeremy Roach is the only guy who played in the final four game who's on the roster for Duke. Yeah. Um, uh, Jalen Blakes was there, but he was a reserve last year, didn't, didn't play. And uh, everybody else is either freshmen or transfers. So um, they came in fresh, not having felt that sting. They just came into the room and, you know, I'm sure it's there. <laughs> uh, you know, the coaching staff is the same, except for Jay Lucas came in. Mike Schrage from, you know, is now a, a, a special assistant. He wasn't there in New Orleans last year. So I know it's kind of a, a little bit of a wishy-washy answer, I guess, but um, – uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think they, I think Saturday's game will will be a, another step toward trying to put that in the past, if they can win, if they if they can beat Carolina and and okay, now we're now we're back on you know equal footing or whatever. Right now we're because uh, right now I mean you know Carolina's got these two big, boom boom we're you know we're the big dog here. You can't get past us and and this is a lot of the same Carolina players that are going to be playing. Saturday night that that played those two games and and led them to those wins. So I think this Saturday is really important in that in that part of the rivalry. Yeah, I was going to ask, and you kind of hit on it, the fact that most of Duke's roster is completely different. You mentioned Jeremy pretty much being the only guy back who played significant minutes. Uh, has he talked about that at all? I know he you know briefly touched on it maybe before the start of the season, trying to get over what happened at the end of last year, but. You know, I remember when I was on the UNC beat, for instance, they lost in such heartbreaking fashion uh, against Villanova in 16 uh, at the end of that season in the national championship game. And those guys throughout the next season talked about it all the time. You could tell it was something that really uh, fueled their journey. It was always sort of at the forefront of their thoughts and motivation. Obviously, I know it's much different because the core of that Carolina team came back uh, the team was pretty much the same, um, you know, but I'm wondering if, if maybe you think Jeremy, maybe especially has kind of carried that, uh, with him throughout this season and also the coaching staff, given the fact that all those guys pretty much, uh, played for K, uh, is there any sort of sense of, uh, I, I don't know, getting the program, not that it completely derailed itself, um, but maybe the sense of redemption uh, in its own way on recovering from what happened at the end of last year. Yeah, I think there's a, an undercurrent in that. I think, um, you know, to to lose those two games, uh, it's it's uh, a, a totally different team um, now. And uh, Roach hasn't talked about that directly. I was 
I'm sorry to pause. I was trying to collect my thoughts. I remember last summer, he did say to a few of us uh, in a summer practice that he felt like this year's team had more pressure than last year's team because Kay's uh, legacy was established. Hall of Fame, down certificate, all that stuff, right? For sure. All-time winning as coach. No doubt. So no matter, it is to mine was no matter what happened, like he's still going to be Coach K. You know, it wasn't going to knock him off of Mount Rushmore of coaching, right? Uh, no matter what happened. And um, but this is the first year of John Shire. This is his first crack at it. And the pressure's on him. And so, okay, so here we are at 15 and 6 and things aren't great, but they're not, you know, it hasn't completely fallen apart. They're not going to the NIT or anything. Uh, so I wonder how that factors in. And then the Carolina game is, is along with that. Uh-huh. If, if uh, and Jeremy, you know, has been hurt some. Um, other guys have been hurt and all that. So Roach has his own things to worry about, his own, his own game he's trying to work through. He's not had a fantastic year by any stretch, and he still hopes to. But um, so I, I think that, uh, again, that this Saturday's game, and again, they they're playing Wake Forest first. They're doing all the right, saying all the right things about folks on Wake Forest. Got to beat Wake Forest. They beat us last month. Yada yada. Uh, it'll really start coming out after that. I think then they'll they'll be faced with the reality of oh my God, it's Carolina again, and woo, that brings back some <laughs> dark memories, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you would think, and it becomes kind of the thing too. Like if they lose this one, you wonder like is it sort of like the psychological thing that's brewing. Yeah, perhaps. you know, even though, again, like not the end of the world, so to speak, it would be three straight losses to a rival. Yet, you know, we don't we know the implications of the first two of those. Um, but I do wonder, like the longer that streak goes, it's kind of like the more that builds and the more kind of that snowball gains momentum down the mountain and gets bigger and bigger. Kind of a no thing. doubt. No doubt. You know what else changed last year? You know how people always say the first Duke Carolina game sets the tone for the season, right? You know, nothing really happens until then. <laughs> That's right. Well, you remember what happened last year in Chapel Hill? I do. I mean, yeah, UNC got run out of the gym. Uh, yeah. it, you know, and it's like, and at that point, I remember, yeah, I was about a year ago at this point, and, and Carolina was struggling in Hubert Davis's first year, and Duke looked really good, and they have Boncaro, and they have all these highly touted uh, freshmen who are playing really well, and Kay goes in there, and it was kind of the same dynamic you describe with NC State Duke this year in that, you know, Carolina probably could have named its final margin, or Duke, I'm sorry, could have named its final margin right uh, in that first game in Chapel Hill last year. It was almost, you know, Kay put in his grandson, right? Yeah. To dribble out the clock, and <laughs> he was raising his arm because "Let's Go Duke" was going so loud in the Dean Dome, and um, you know Joey Baker was dunking on him in the first half. Remember that there was a steal, and a, and I said, "Well, Joey Baker's." I mean, God love Joey Baker, but come on, correct. That's <laughs> that's, a, that's a sign that. But anyway, my point was that didn't set the tone, did it? It completely flipped. It did not. Cloud did it ever? We were so led. Yeah. So will that be the case this year? You know, well. Uh, anyway, what happened? That that cha- that's another little change to the rivalry we're seeing with new people in charge. But yeah, and that dovetails nicely into the next topic. It's almost like we have this scripted, and, and listeners will probably assume that uh, we spend no shortage of time here planning for the weekly ACC. Now, lots of uh, lots of intense meetings for hours on end, scripting this out, lining up guests, 
you know, getting down what we want to talk about. But believe it or not, folks, it's all just natural, just natural conversation. I know folks will find that <laughs> difficult to believe it as, as they listen uh, at home or driving around. But that does dovetail nicely. Uh, wanted to talk about, you know, this comparison between Shire this year, Hubert Davis last year, similar circumstances, kind of similar starts really to the season. Although, and you and I were talking about this offline in a way and granted like you know there's always that kind of old cliche of you never want to be the guy who follows the guy uh and both hubert davis and and john shire kind of found themselves in those positions those unenviable positions where you know you're following a roy williams you're following a coach k both really difficult tasks uh I will say, though, as an outsider looking in, and you know, I don't cover any particular program these days as closely as I used to cover UNC, but from my vantage point, at least, it kind of looked like Hubert had it a little bit tougher last year. I don't know. We can debate the reasons as to why that was, but I remember UNC fans really getting ready to hop off the bandwagon, uh, almost bailing on the guy really like a week or two into January just about before things really got going. I'm curious from where you sit, how do you think the reaction has been uh, among Duke fans, among the Duke community, to kind of the ups and downs with, with Shire? Is there more of an understanding in your mind or kind of how are people receiving you know, the natural evolution and struggles that come with you know, a guy in his first year as a head coach? Yeah, there's... Um... We use the word undercurrent. There's there's a little bit of that uh, going on. I mean, because there naturally was because there were some that thought Tommy Amaker should have got the job, right? Or you know Jeff Capel. There were people that were in those camps and didn't think that Shire was ready. So that was already baked into the pie. Um, uh, there are others. I mean, there's the there's the natural um, like the subject this year was Jaden Shoot. Why isn't he playing more? Duke can't shoot the ball well. This guy's supposed to be a three-point ace. Uh, that's been a, me- a hot message board topic. It's why isn't he using Jaden shoot? Why isn't he? Using... So, but that would happen. I mean, they did that to K. So, but um, I think there's a little, a little more freedom to um, criticize because it's it's Shire and it's not K. So maybe there's a few more people jumping on that bandwagon having that. But I haven't seen the mass, you know. Um, Exodus or whatever of, of people that are that are jumping off and saying, ah, heck, you know, it's not the same. It's not Coach K. I'm not going to follow Duke anymore. I mean, that hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, if they go to the NIT or something like that, maybe uh, then you might start seeing that. Uh, but I, I think, I do think, and this comes with, uh, I've discovered this, you know, since coming out of this beat and kind of getting to know the community of fans and all that. They're just a little different. I mean, it's a smaller school. It's a smaller group of people. Um, then a state school, I've covered state schools in other states and the state in the past. And, um, you know, you kind of have a different, uh, different group of people than this one. So they seem to be a little more understanding, a little more nuanced, maybe, um, imagine not to sound high and mighty or anything like that. Uh, I'm a state school graduate myself, so I'm not, I'm not, but, uh, just, just, you know, the reactions I get from people don't seem to be as, as knee jerk, um, uh, as, as a whole, as a group. So. I think that John has benefited from that, uh, but again, you know, it'll be a it'll be a short leash if uh, you know if they have a couple seasons in a row that that go sideways. 
So you're saying that the fan base has been relatively sane. Yeah, which <laughs> it's hard to believe. Uh, and, and it's 2023 and one, one of the most surprising revelations ever revealed here on the ACC Now podcast. That yeah. is breaking news. That that of a sane major college athletics fan base. Like I didn't <laughs> I didn't think that, you know, really existed anymore in this day and age. Maybe they're riding the wave of, you know, Elko. Maybe they did to dip into football for a second. <laughs> they're so like, oh my God, we had a football season that was fantastic and that never happens here, you know. It's been yeah, it's been a good year, good athletics year. <laughs> the devil. I don't know. Maybe they ride the wave of that. Relatively speaking, in the major sports, I wanted to get your thoughts. One of the big questions uh, about John Shire, and you've alluded to this, and I know I did uh, in the profile type thing that uh, I wrote on him at the start of the year. You know, everyone I talked to for that story, basically, it was his close friends. You know, from back home, his high school coach. Um, and one recurring theme or observation about John that kept on being brought up by folks was this question of, you know, and it's a little bit cliche. You hear this about a lot of folks who are high-level uh, athletes or coaches, but especially with him, it just kept on coming up, this thought of, you know, how is he going to be able to handle losses because he's such a competitive, like, competitive doesn't even really describe it, you know, based on based on conversations with, people closest to him, like a guy who really, you know, could not handle losing uh, in high school, who really took everything so personally when it didn't go his way. When we interviewed him in the hallway at ACC tip-off in Charlotte back in October, uh, I think that was, he shared with us, like, you know, I'm the kind of guy that if you beat me nine times, I always think the tenth time is going to be my day and I'm going to keep on trying and it's going to make me want it even more. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, again, from your perspective, like how have you seen him react maybe to some of this adversity? How has he handled, you know, losing by 20, 30 points at an NC State, getting beat by Clemson, losing some of these games that you haven't seen Duke uh, lose in a good while? How has he reacted to that? How do you think he's been holding up throughout some you know, of those challenges? Yeah, publicly, he's he's put on a good face. I mean, he's... Uh, to to the chagrin of some Duke fans, going back to that, maybe they're not to say with this with this one, you know, he hasn't gotten a technical foul this year, and there, you know, that's one thing that uh, he he's very almost professorial, you know, like uh, you know, monitoring things, and um, uh, there's only been a couple times when I've seen him really, you know, kind of lay into the team on the bench. I mean, he he doesn't, you know, remember J- K was always if he, if he removed his jacket, you know, that's it. That's or, well, you know, I remember he took off the white pullover last year. That didn't do him much good though in that last home game. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, but John doesn't have a thing like that yet. So we don't really know like what you know. The what, glasses, maybe taking off maybe, the glasses could maybe be his, that'll be it. that could be his thing. Tuck it into his pocket, you know. Like okay, Roy did that. Yeah, um, Hubert sometimes does it. Yeah, so he's, um, you know, I you know after losses he's taken tough questions. He's handled them. I've been at all of them, you know, the Clemson State, Wake, all that stuff. Um, and they've 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 recovered and won the next game every time. Um, I haven't heard any stories yet about, you know, gear getting removed or lock, locked down the locker room or he's doing he's trying to be his own person. Um and 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 uh he, he I mean obviously I mean and he said that he said the right things again, like, um, you know, I 
when he's talked about lessons learned from a loss, he's always said, I'd much rather learn these by winning. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to lose. I hate, I don't like this. And uh, this isn't who we're supposed to be and that kind of stuff. So he gets it. Uh, but so far he's handling, he hasn't, we haven't seen a, a moment where he's bubbled over. And again, maybe for Saturday night with all the emotions of that game might be where it happens. I don't know. But uh, I, I, you know, you have to imagine it's going to happen at some point. He's going to, he's a human being, right? And um, so, and may, it might be when this season's over, you know, talking to people, his wife, whatever, we'll hear things about, you know, uh, how tough it's been on him behind the scenes and, uh, you know, how he's coping with, with this stuff. Uh, you know, is he, is he talking to a therapist? Is he, I, I, you know, those are things I don't know at this moment, but uh, uh, I will be curious. And maybe that, again, those are things that may not come out till, till the season's done and we kind of, you know, rehash how, how it went. What what was the old story with Kay? Was it he put the the gear and the jerseys like in some trash bags and like put them outside the locker room? Was that? Well, I know there was a few of them. There's like yes. the, the early morning practices. And the, that was one. You know, be you be yeah. at, be at Cameron at six a.m. <laughs> um, and then are you are you show up for practice and yeah. your key code doesn't work to get into the locker room? That's disconcerting. Locker room. That, yeah, that would be uh, that would be that would be disappointing if you're a player. Yeah, and, and then I'll, they practice in in like white t-shirts, you know, like blank, no Duke gear. You can't. You have to earn it back. YMCA style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the uh, I guess the another one is after the you know the year uh, 2017 when Kay was out with his back and Jeff Capel was the interim coach. They lost to Dennis Smith's NC State team on a Monday night, well, and Kay wasn't even there. You know, he was home recovering from back surgery or whatever, and. He sent a message, you know, be at my house at 11 o'clock. This is after the game. And they all showed up at his house. And he went down the line and just hammered, ripped each of them personally about what he'd seen them do. And um, this is, <laughs> um, again, they didn't have their gear the next day, that kind of stuff. So <laughs> no matter anyone's thoughts on like, you know, Kay's methods and maybe, uh, you know, overly militaristic coaching styles, no one can fault Kay for being upset at a team losing against a Mark Gottfried uh, slash Dennis Smith-led NC State team. I mean, that team was like a disaster. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in fact, that was pretty much the only highlight for that state team all year. Yeah, and it was, it was at Cameron, too. That's at Cameron, there was the dunk. I guess the dunk from Smith didn't really count. I think it happened right, right after the buzzer. Yep. Yeah, there was that iconic uh, image of, of Smith about to dunk it at the end of regulation. Very bad loss for Duke. Of course, that was a state team that really led to Gottfried being fired, yep. Kevin Keatson's arrival, et cetera, et cetera, which, you know, I wrote a big NC State story uh, yes. that, came, that came out recently kind of about that program's trials and tribulations over the past three decades. And, you know, you go back to 1990 and NC State is on the same level as Duke and on the same level as Carolina. Uh, and I say all this stuff because... You know, this is the second time in the past three years, I believe, that Duke and Carolina are going to enter this game. Their first game is unranked teams. And right? for first like time since sixty years since that had happened. Yeah, right. So I the sixties, and I make that reference to to the Wolfpack to you know to kind of reiterate that you know pre, you know recent success, no matter how many decades old, isn't necessarily uh, a guarantee that it's going to continue. So. You know, with these two programs showing up unranked against each other for the second time uh, in the past three years, or really, I guess, first time in the past three years, but it was twice that season, 
Um, what's the state of this rivalry, these programs, any reasons to be concerned that this doesn't endure the way that it just has and the way that we've taken for granted for so long? Well, what made the rivalry great was they were top five matchups. They were both in the top five, right? They were ACC championship performances, um, you know, in, in the tournament, either in the final or the semifinal or whatever, uh, one one seed versus two seed or whatever it may be. Um, Hall of Fame coaches, you know, Smith and Kay and all that and Roy, um, that, that elevated Duke UNC, you know, in the 80s and 90s and and until now to be the rivalry in college sports uh, and maybe in all sports, if you want to go that far. Um, so if you take that out of it, as it goes forward, it will, it will hurt it. I think it'll, it'll diminish it. So yeah, they, they this can't become the norm. Um, it needs to be, you know, where they're both ranked. And you think last year, I mean, Carolina wasn't ranked in those games. I think Duke always was, but Carolina wasn't. Um, so we, this is three years in a row now where, Actually, four years because you go back. The, I'm sorry, the, the Cole Anthony team at Carolina right. uh, before the pandemic hit had a losing record, and uh, um, you know they still produced a, meaning, a, a memorable game because the Trey Jones, you know, missing the free throw on purpose and going to overtime and winning it. Uh, that turned out to be a great game, but it wasn't a great Carolina team. It wasn't a great matchup. So okay, so now now we're talking four straight years where we've had less than what we're used to. So yeah, we do need to be to watch out for that to 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 make sure that uh, that it is, you know, the game. Um, it's still getting the TV ratings and all that stuff, so it hasn't co- it hasn't cost it, uh, the rivalry in that department. But eventually, if you're not, you know, top ten teams or whatever ever you're meeting, that's gonna that's gonna happen. You're gonna see people look turn away people in. You know, Idaho or wherever, uh, Texas. I don't know. Oh, that they used to be good. They're not good anymore. So not nearly as big in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> you went. That's always what you shoot for is Idaho. <laughs> we want to be big in Boise. The Yenano I hear is really big in Bismarck, actually. It's we have a we have a large following up there in the uh, greater Dakota area, which is good for us. Uh, but yeah, you wake up one day and and you're kind of like NC State and you got people writing retrospectives 30 years since you were good <laughs> if you're not careful not not that I think that's going to happen in this particular case but but you're right that you know gradually things slip and slip and and then you know again you wake up and you're not what you once were which which not quite there yet with this rivalry but who knows I'm curious like have people been camping out is Shosheskyville full of tents this year. What's what's been kind of the vibe? Okay. Yeah, it is. They still had to have the the test, you know, the Duke basketball history test to be able to get your tenting spot. So there was oh enough, you know, interest in tenting that they needed that. So uh that's the same. And um uh so that that hasn't you know uh, it's still K Bill, it's not S Bill. <laughs> But there's, uh, there's nothing on the test I imagined about what happened early last March. So. I would think no. I have not seen the test, but I don't think anybody wants to make reference to that uh, in, in Durham. That's for sure. Probably not. Uh, well, see, I think that's all the time we have in this week's edition of the ACC Now podcast. I appreciate you being a guest and making some time. And uh, I won't put you on the spot and ask you for a prediction because who knows what's going to happen again. We are recording this before Duke plays uh, against Wake in an earlier game this week. 
But I will say quickly, do you see any North Carolina team being in Greensboro for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament quickly? I don't. How about that? And we never thought that would be the case. Um, but it looks like sad, but true. Virginia and Tennessee, they've got, they're both top 10 teams. They're going to be they're closer to Greensboro than anybody else. So they've got those on lockdown. Yeah, right now, it's a lot of work to do for the local the local uh, quintets, I guess. To get over. Who, who, who would have thunk it? Yeah. Indeed. Well, thank you. Flippage indeed, right? Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you making some time for us. Very good, Andrew. Always good to be with you. Likewise. We'll talk to you soon.